0: Did you know that this podcast is a part of the JSO Modcast Podcast Network? Chances are, if you enjoy this show, you'll find other great podcasts on the network, too. The JSO Modcast Network offers you a choice of shows seven days a week, starting with Monday. Join Rebecca C. Lofgren, Aaron Illick, and David K. Montoya in Seeing Red. The trio dive deep down the rabbit hole each week with a combination of geek and weird news. Then on Tuesdays, join the boys from the Great White North, Mike Lutz, Rob Bellamy, and Jason Beckard in the movie Madhouse as they bring you everything Hollywood and more on Wednesday's Reaper Rick's Tree Frog Exposé Cafe, where he crosses the line of limits as he gives us news that is unforgettable and personal views that you'll definitely remember as well. Spend Thursdays with Jim Bennett and Nick McKelvey as they join forces in American Fat Ass Podcast to talk about various topics from news, sports, to their personal lives, all the while with a humorous slant in an unapologetic fashion. Friday's, Rob Bellamy is joined with Mike Lutz as they jump in the Wayback Machine to explore the archives of the JZO Modcast to give you three hours of audio entertainment in Flashback Fridays. Saturday's, join JSO Modcast founder David K. Montoya as he explores the world for a single of Who's the Boss? Then Sundays finish the week with What We Think with hosts S. Sadie Burbank and David K. Montoya as they tell us exactly what they think about pop culture, celebrities, and the world at large with a ton of vulgarity mixed in for good measure. The JZL Modcast Podcast Network. We've got what you want seven days a week for free. Listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher or like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to check us out at jazelmon.com slash jazelmodcast. And now, enjoy this free jazelmodcast show.
1: Welcome to another episode of Flashback Fridays. My name is Rob. I'm Mike. And we're here to entertain you with some history from the Jason modcast archive. Yes. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I wrote down. Oh, okay. Well, we need a we need a script supervisor. Dave? Dave, yeah. I said, Can you start sending the scripts? Talking points or bullet points or something mm, like that. Lots of pictures. Oh, pictures. I got pictures. Oh, he sent me a picture. Who sent you a picture? Dave. He sent you a picture? Yeah. It was of a sidewalk with this great big waving hand. And it says, have a nice day. And then at the bottom it says, Canadian graffiti. Oh, (laughs) Dave. Yes. Dave. So I sent him one this morning. It says, meanwhile in Canada. Gee, I hope summer falls on a weekend this year. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we digress. Uh, Yeah. There's a shock. (laughs) Wow. I said it wouldn't be us on our microphones without us talking about something Completely unrelated. Random. And no, Mr. Bomb. I expect you to die. Oh, I love that little <laughs> raccoon. Evil <laughs> raccoon. <laughs> Told you I'm looking at pictures. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So oh. the people out there are going, what the hell? Canada. What's that say at the bottom? That's that's a lumberjack punching out a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's Canada. That's Canada. Remember that. <laughs> anyway. Oh, by the way, we're from Canada. Oh, yeah. If you haven't uh, <laughs> clued in yet. Uh, what we're going to do, we do our review shows here, and uh, we've done a number one show, but yeah. we have not done a number two show. Play rugby. Oh, nice. The why is the scar on his head. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but we, so, we have there's... not done a number two show. Oh, Okay. I don't think anybody's ever done a number two show.
2: Well, everybody,
1: that's true. Because number ones are, well, the beginnings of everything and everybody just kind of forgets about. And if you dig into comic history, number twos are sometimes more valuable than number ones. (sighs) I know. I lost my screen. So number twos should be revered for what they are. Well, they're number twos. Okay. Okay not good enough to be number ones but just as important as number three you have to follow up your number one with a number two exactly otherwise where are you gonna go don't fuck with me bro a bear once okay i'm getting sucked into these pictures so we're gonna start it with uh Sheer Darkness, number two. Hey. Way back in the long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the show's not on anymore, but uh, in this one, just reading the synopsis, it says Terry gives Dave and the listeners a deep and dark look into the events that shaped Terry into the man he is today, plus oh. a little history lesson about the ancient astronaut theory. Ah, cool. You do know the ancient astronaut theory.
2: I believe that the ancient astronaut theory is aliens
1: came down, gave Egyptians pyramids and then fucked off yeah and then they carved on walls yeah do you realize how much facebook is like ancient egyptian (laughs) everybody writes on walls and worships cats well that's not uh yeah that's true too yeah you can't get away from that yeah Uh uh-huh so i don't want to get
3: into facebook facebook
1: (laughs) (laughs) so here we go this is sheer darkness number two
3: greetings everyone i'm terry d shearer my bidgey welcome to sheer darkness and i am
4: david k montoya you know terror i was sitting and while i was editing the the first episode you know i got to thinking about everything that you've talked about in your current situation so how about we continue with that and you, you continue on and you give everybody a little bit of background what do you think about that
3: background yeah sure i can do that. Um, I was born a poor white child in the southwestern corner of Missouri, just outside the Ozark Mountains. Well, shit, Terry, I didn't mean for you to go back that far. No, no, no. Well, no, we have to go back that far. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the kind of person you are as an adult is directly related to the types of things you experienced as a child. So we have to go back to my childhood to help explain why I am the way I am today, okay?
4: All right, well, since you put it that way, but just remember, we only have an hour, okay?
3: Go ahead. Now, I was uh, quite young at the time I was born, so I don't remember much of what happened. So a lot of these regulations come from my mother, but uh, apparently she married... A guy from the wrong side of the tracks, literally. Um, and, uh, they, after they got married, my mother and, and, and soon to be father, for some reason, went and lived at his home where his parents also lived. And my mother describes where they lived, even, even in today's standards, as a shack. There was uh, no running water, no indoor plumbing. Uh, you had to go outside, you know, to use the privy. And it gets pretty cold in Missouri in the wintertime. Uh, of course, at night, you would use a chamber pot and then dump it in the morning. But still, you gotta go outside to do your, you know, your business. And there was no heat, except for the uh, wood-burning kitchen stove. So, she wasn't, well, she wasn't real happy with the situation, but, you know, newly married people just kind of uh, frequently have to deal with things they don't especially like. Um, I was born, well, ah, hell, this is going to really give away my age here, but I was born in 1949. That was the uh, very end of the first half of the 20th century. Uh, In 1950, there was a uh, small police action over in Asia somewhere called uh, Korea. And uh, the government called for men to, you know, join the army, join the armed forces, forces. And my dad, for some reason was the uh, first young man from our small town to rush down and enlist. And he went off to uh, boot camp and was then sent to Korea. Now, the uh, living conditions that my mother was was going through when my dad was around were apparently bad enough, but once you had a a baby and had to do diapers and, and whatnot in uh well I imagine she could heat the water on the stove, but she still had to do everything by hand. And I'm sure it was not a pleasant task. They didn't have uh diaper services back then. They certainly didn't have disposable diapers. So she was busy quite a bit, I'm sure, with that type of chore. And uh living in the house with no heat you know no plumbing all that I guess finally got to her and she and my grandmother packed up all their meager belongings and took off south to uh, Texas Gulf Coast Texas where they were there were relatives there and they stayed there for a while uh and eventually, not eventually, about uh, well, a few months later, they uh, took off for California, Southern California, where relatives also lived. So that was basically where I uh, started my, my real life, was in Southern California. Actually, Long Beach, California, down near Newport and Blue Beach, Redondo, places like that. And my, uh, my uncle, my mother's brother, owned a small apartment building there just two blocks from the beach. And he, I guess, rented the three of us a room in the back there. And that's where my life started, essentially. And my first memory of life was there in that, uh, that little one-bedroom apartment. So, Dave, do, uh, do you remember what your first memories are as a child? Yeah, actually, I do. It was uh... Well, that's real cool, Dave. Why don't you save that for your own show? So, <clears throat> my first memory, my first actual memory of life was... In 1952, it was the Pachapi earthquake, <clears throat> which occurred in July of 1952, July 21st, actually, at 4.52 a.m., and I was awakened <clears throat> by my mother screaming really, really loud, and she grabbed hold of me. The whole, whole building was shaking. And... The three of us, my mother, my grandmother, and I were in a doorway, the bedroom doorway. And my mother had this, you know, death grip on me. She screamed the whole minute and a half or so that the earth shook. This was our first experience with an earthquake, of course. And I'm sure it wouldn't have bothered me nearly as much if I hadn't been scared to death because my mother was screaming and I couldn't figure out what was going on that earthquake didn't last very long in real time, but it lasted a long time in my memory. One of the uh, next life memories I have occurred out back of our apartment. There was a large grass area couple of huge avocado trees. Avocado trees grew really well down there. And there was a, uh, you know, over the grass area, there was a, a large clothesline. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know what a clothesline is, it's a usually two T-shaped poles are spaced apart from each other, and string or rope is strung back and forth between the two T-posts. And people would hang their wet laundry on these lines, hence the name clothes lines, to dry after they were washed. In those days, they didn't have dryers. We were lucky to have a uh, a really old-fashioned washing machine out in the shed there behind the apartments. And uh, <clears throat> you filled the washer up with water from the sink with a hose put your soap in it, turned it on, and the thing would, you know, agitate for however many minutes you wanted. And then you had to drain the water out of the washing machine, and it was right next to a a big metal, I mean, cement sink. And then at the top, they had this, this ringer gadget, you know, two wooden bars with a handle on it. You put your clothes in between the two bars, and then you crank the bars around, and they pull through... They pull your clothing through the two bars and squeeze them so the water is, is squeezed out. And that goes into the sink. And then you take the, the wet laundry and you put it in a laundry bag. And after you've, you know, wrung out all your clothes from the soapy water, then you have to fill the washing machine back up again and with fresh water. And you put your clothes back in there to rinse them out while you, you know, it goes through the agitation again. And, uh then you go through the same process of the wringer afterwards. You have to wring out every piece of clothing, put it in the laundry basket, then you take it outside, and you hang them up on the clotheslines to dry. Okay, so that's where I was. And one of our neighbors had a small black dog. I think it was a Scotty, but it was, you know, a cute little dog. And she used to feed the dog outside there on the sidewalk outside her back door and I used to play with the dog well one day I was not playing but teasing the dog because his bowl of food was out there and I discovered that if I you know kind of pulled the bowl away from him he would growl and I thought that was the funniest sound you know so I pulled the bowl away and he'd growl at me I'd laugh and laugh and laugh, and I'd put the bowl back, and he'd start to eat again. Then I'd pull the bowl away, and he'd growl at me. And we did that about three times, I think. And last time I pulled the bowl away from him, I blacked out and woke up in the hospital emergency room, having been mauled, on my face and arms by this little black dog who was pissed off at me for taking his food away from me. <clears throat> Now, in those days, you know, we didn't sue people at the drop of a hat for things that happened because somebody did something stupid. And in this case, it was me doing something stupid with the dog. It was my fault, and, you know, that's the way it goes. But that's my... my Second memory of life is being mauled by a dog, and uh, surprisingly enough, I, I never had a uh, fear of dogs after that. I, I love dogs. I've always had a dog, but uh, that's 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 another memory. Another memory from that that same time period is, uh, like I said, the apartment there was just two blocks from the beach and during the summertime we would you know walk down to the beach and and, you know play at the beach my uh, my mother would take me down sometimes sometimes my grandmother would take me down there and one day uh, my mother was sitting on the sand on a towel while I was down near the water's edge you know playing in the sand and an unexpected large wave came in and hit me, and as waves do, you know, it comes in real fast, and then it sucks itself back out again. Well, since I had been knocked over by the wave in the first place, I was rolling back with the wave retreated, and I was pulled out into the ocean. Well, not, you know, terribly far out or anything, but out far enough that, um, I was flailing around and uh, was unable to get to my feet. And once again, I heard my mother screaming on the beach, jumping up and down, waving her arms. She couldn't swim, by the way. Oh, man. So she couldn't go into the water and rescue me. But she screamed and yelled until finally some good Samaritan, some guy from on the beach somewhere ran out there and, you know, picked me up and carried me back onto the shore. So, those are my first three memories of life. And, oddly enough, they all revolve around potential death. So, that's not the last time I almost drowned, by the way. Um, drowning seems to, uh, be something that I, uh, i well, I've come close to drowning a number of times, um, and I, I would think that, uh, if anything is ever going to kill me, well... Drowning might be the thing because it certainly tried hard enough in the past to do so. Um, Another early memory, you know, my my memory my memories are are very scattered. Like I I have things picked out here and there, but um, eventually my mother remarried and uh, moved into this house, also in Long Beach, but. We uh, we were living in this house. I uh, don't remember how old I was. Uh, I mean, when she got when she got married, I must have been four, three or four. But the point is that I was never circumcised when I was born because there didn't seem to be any reason to be circumcised. So I, I wasn't circumcised. But as I grew older, for some reason, my foreskin wasn't growing properly. It didn't maybe it was too tight, okay? It was choking my little head. So <clears throat> doctor said that I should be circumcised. I was still quite young, maybe you know three, and uh, one of my other, early memories of life is standing up in a little crib in the hospital with one of those plastic glass bubble things over the top so you couldn't climb out, and watching my mother walk away from me, and, you know, she waves and says goodbye and all that kind of crap, and she left me there in this little cage, and I stood there with my little hands on the the cold metal bars, and I waited and I waited and I waited for her to come back, and she didn't. And I, I, you know, just fell down on my onto the little mattress there and I cried myself to sleep. So here, here we are with another fucking early memory of tragedy and despair and. Didn't have near death in this one, but I was still...
4: Yeah, but there was lots of heart, heartache. I mean, as a
3: parent, my, my heart ached. That That's sad. So all of my early memories, my really early memories of life, are essentially bad memories. Things that frightened me, things that made me sad, things that scared the hell out of me. That kind of thing. So, I guess it's it's not surprising that I now seek out those things in my both my writing and my my life. I've always been interested in supernatural, paranormal, <laughs> um, anything that is a little too far out for most people to to understand or worry about. Now, you know, it, today, of course, many, many people are interested in that sort of thing. But when I was younger, back in the 1950s, there just wasn't that kind of interest in, in that sort of thing. And, and people who were interested in that sort of thing were considered... Be considered insane? Well... Not necessarily insane, but certainly not normal. So, there you have it. I was an abnormal child. And that, that, that went on for years and years and years. Uh, I was very much an introvert. I was essentially raised by my mother and my grandmother, who doted on me and really protected me from the outside world and whatever else they thought was out there that was bad but uh, my mo- as when I grew older my mother used to always tell me you were such a happy child she said you know and she'd say what happened to you because god damn it when I got older I certainly was not a happy child not a happy camper and and in point of fact i honestly do not remember being a happy child i mean i was content when i was usually when i was by myself and using my imagination to fuel my desire for fun okay i mean i had you know the dinosaurs and little trucks and stuff, army men especially, I could spend hours and hours outside in the dirt, you know, building my own little city, keeping my own, my own people out there, having their, their, their lives in my hands, um, did that for so many years, and, uh, I was, I was content doing that, I didn't have many friends, in my life ever, um, I did have I did have one one friend that I lived uh, down at the end of the street, same street I lived on. I didn't realize he was even there though until uh, I went to kindergarten. He was in my class, and I discovered that you know he lived down the street, we were the same age, and all that. Uh, we were actually friends. Well, I lost track of him a few years ago, so we were friends for over 50 years. And uh, But aside from him, I have never had a long-term friend. Um, you know, I guess Dave is a friend that has been around for uh, nine years or so. But uh, I don't have... Any other friends that I hang out with or spend time with or even talk to, for that matter. And and I didn't have any friends as a kid, either. But I didn't really need friends because I had my imagination. I had my mind. I had my toys. And I was fucking happy. Or, again, content to just do my own thing whenever I wanted to, whenever I had the opportunity to, Uh, so I've always been able to use my imagination to entertain myself, let's put it that way, I did a lot of reading when I was younger too because I didn't have uh, anybody to play with really, so I would spend my time reading Exploring other times, other places, other people—amazing places that I love to go—but they were never real. And when I uh, started running out of books to read, I started making my own worlds and making my own people and making my own rules and laws and and uh, writing down my own stories. So that's what I did. And uh, since most of my early memories were not good, um, I think that has a lot to do with how my writing turned out, which for the most part is not happy stuff. You know, there's always something rather terrible going on, but that's just the way my mind works, because I had terrible things going on, it seemed like to me, all the time around me, and uh, I just carried that through, but I I was not uh, a normal child, you know, I mean, even I realized that. At the time, of course, I I knew there was something different going on in my head than there was in uh, other kids' heads. I had contact with other other children at school. Right, I follow you. But uh, other than that, not a whole lot of contact was going on, <clears throat> and my own uh, my own thought thought processes were just different. I uh, was an avid reader, of course, and I read a lot of stories. I read the uh, Dr. Doolittle stories when I was younger, and for the longest time I wondered why my dog wouldn't talk to me, because I was uh, fairly sure that It should be able to. I would spend a lot of time sitting down with my dog. Well, actually, it was my mother's dog, but I would spend a lot of time sitting down with that dog, talking to it. And it would just sit there and fucking listen, you know, cocking its head to one side or cocking its head to the other side, wagging its tail once in a while. So, I mean, you know, it looked like it knew what was going on. It just refused to talk back. So that, that, that bothered me for a long while. Um, I mentioned that I used to spend a lot of time with my plastic army men and knights and cowboys and Indians, too, for that matter. Um, Every once in a while, I would uh, decide that someone needed to pay for a crime. And out behind our garage, there was about a three-foot space between the back of the garage and the the fence in our backyard, and if I ever wanted to uh, go somewhere where I couldn't be seen from the house and play, I would go back in that little little space back there behind the garage, and every once in a while I would take one or two of my little plastic people out there and have a mock trial and uh, find them guilty of whatever the charges might have been and then I would uh, tie them to a little stake and put kindling around them at the base of the stake and I would burn them light light the kindling and burn them burn them to death and then when they were dead good and dead I would bury their melted, deformed little bodies in a nice little row there back behind the garage, and I had a tiny little cemetery for tiny little plastic men, and some women. And uh did that for a little, geez, long time. So, I mean, there were always, you know, signs that uh, things weren't working properly in my head. But, uh, I, there wasn't much I could do about it. I, I didn't really know for sure whether it was something that, uh, would, uh, fade away or get worse. I guess it never actually got worse. But, uh, the problems I, I was having in my, in my head, uh, never got better either. And, When I was in high school, I read the book, Brave New World, by Aldous Huxley. And for those of you who have read that book, you'll know what I'm talking about. For those of you who haven't read that book, you should get out there and read it when you have the chance.
4: Yeah, I read that book. It's been many years ago, but I read it. Um, The one that takes place in London in the future, It's, it's really good, and I agree.
3: You know, if you haven't read it, you should go out there and read it. At any rate, the character of the the savage in that book, I I really associated myself with because he was like uh, brought to this big modern city from the uh, rural rural area that he had. It, lived in his whole life, and he didn't fit in, and he was so bothered by what he saw and what what, what he saw of the people, and how the people treated him and everything, as a, a freak basically, that uh, toward the end of the book, he, he killed himself, because he was so distraught. He wanted to go back to where he was from, and and get away from this uh horrible new life. And that was uh that was probably the first time I had considered suicide. I don't even think I was eighteen years old yet. So that started my uh many, many, many year stint of depression and visiting uh doctors with PhDs after their name instead of MDs um tried many many different kinds of medication uh one of which I turned out to be allergic to and ended up in the hospital ER again for that uh they uh nearly put a trach into me but anyway survived that too um but I, I never got over uh, depression. I, I've been uh, suffering from depression my, basically, my entire life. When I was real young, they, they hadn't diagnosed it yet, but I'm sure that that's what I was suffering from. Even though I didn't know what it was. Um, even today, I, uh, I'm still on medication for depression, and I still have really bad days sometimes good days, but it's just a, it's an ongoing battle, and I'm sure there are people listening that understand that aspect of a life where you depend on medication just to keep your self sane. Right, yeah, I totally get you on that. Um, my depression, however, has hated me in some ways I, I certainly do a lot of writing when I'm depressed and sometimes some of my best writing has come out of depression but it's not something I would recommend for other writers there are better ways to, to uh, get things down on paper so as I was growing up uh, I was drawn to things that were odd, bizarre, unusual, uh, again, supernatural, uh, paranormal, things that most people weren't really interested in in those days, but uh, I found it all very fascinating. When I was younger, even though my my mother was a, a, you know, quote, unquote, Christian-type woman. She did not <clears throat> force any kind of religious beliefs onto me, for which I am very thankful. But she wanted me to choose my own path. So, um, as a as a child, I visited many different churches. Uh, I you know I had friends who of. Most denominations, so I was able to attend, you know, Catholic Church or Mormon Church, uh, Lutheran, Episcopalian, you know, whatever else there was around there. But I never, never went back for more than one visit because it just didn't seem, it didn't seem logical to me, even back in those days. I you was know, a young person that uh, this was something that would. Apparently worked for me, so it never did. Uh, when I was a little bit older, I discovered uh, the Unitarian Church, which was, uh, and still is, I imagine, the most right-wing Christian church around that I know of. Um, I mean, they even they even taught uh, evolution in Sunday school, which I thought was pretty cool, because I I was always interested in dinosaurs and things like that. But even so, I didn't feel that the God aspect was something that uh, I could live with. So I never joined the church, um, and when I finally... I went off to college, I discovered that there was a uh, a satanic coven there at at the college. And I uh, ended up joining that in, I think, 1970. I belonged to that for a year, or a year and a half, maybe. Um But but even that didn't fill the need that I thought you know that uh, that I wanted to reach in my mind. I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted, but I knew that that type of uh, religion uh, wasn't a lot wasn't much better than you know believing in the Christian God. Just have a different God you're supposed to be uh, uh, faithful to and pray to, and things like that. So eventually, I, uh, I followed a. Uh, I'm supposed to have some Indian blood in me, Cherokee. My uh, grandmother on my mother's side and my grandmother on my father's side both, both came from Oklahoma. Which was a large Cherokee grouping of people, that, you know, from the Trail of Tears and all that. So anyway, I'm supposed to have some uh, Indian blood in me too, and I, I I discovered that of all the different kinds of religion that there might be out there, that the uh, American Indian religion was something that I found. I could uh, deal with and that's basically uh, the pagan religion and uh, while I don't I'm not an active uh, practitioner of of anything um, I consider myself a pagan simply because um, I don't believe in in any of the uh, Christian gods or any of the uh, gods that are out there now so pretty much on my own in that area as well I I did you know back when I was in California I I, I joined a a pagan group and uh, that was interesting but I uh, don't do well with groups actually so I much prefer to worship whatever I want to in the way I want to, whenever I want to. So I I, I I do it that way.
4: If I can chime in here real fast here. Um, I consider myself, I guess by technicality, I'd be a Christian. But, you know, one of the things that I never quite understood about religion is, is why there was a need to gather, um, you know, as far as worshiping whatever, you know, creator, God, whatever it is that you you believe in, you know I I think that a person can come in and and do what they need to do in the privacy and the comfort of their own home as to going to a church or a synagogue or or any religious temple, you know um, you know, I don't know I just never bought into that kind of stuff, anyway go ahead I'm sorry
3: and of course I was a big science fiction buff as a youngster, because uh, that was most, mostly what I read, was science fiction. Robert Heinlein, Arthur C. Clarke, Isaac Asimov. Those were the uh, the big guns back in those days. And I was always, always curious about that. Uh, you know, if there were other beings out there.
4: Speaking of science fiction and other worldly creatures. Um, what about this ancient astronaut theory? I know you've gotten into that recently. Um, I know a little bit about it, um, just not enough. I know I've seen some things on like the, the History Channel um, that kind of gives you an overview of what it is. Um, and I know you've done lots of research. So what's your
3: insight on that? It was a few years ago, I guess. Uh, might just be since I've I've been up here in this hellhole of the frozen north where I live now uh, I became interested in uh, the ancient astronaut theory because you know I was pretty much a skeptic for the most part at first I thought they were just really stretching some of the available evidence to fit their own needs but uh Lately, uh, it's, there's just too much evidence out there to not have at least a curiosity about the possibility that aliens came down and visited our early ancestors. There's, there's just too much even written evidence that, of course, they they were called gods by everyone in those days. Because when um, a, a humanoid creature comes down from the sky, they're not going to think, "Well, this guy must be from Mars or someplace." No, they're going to think that they're a god because that's where the gods live, you know, up in the sky somewhere. So when aliens first came here, the people on Earth thought they were gods because what else could they be from their standpoint? And if we look around the world, there are just too many curious sights uh, that just don't make any sense uh Pumapunku in Bolivia is is one place that uh even mainstream scientists and archaeologists cannot explain. Uh huge megalithic buildings that appear to have been made of extremely dense stone. And they were worked with what must have been power tools. The the narrow lines that were cut in some of these stones, the, the holes that were drilled into them, the way they were where way they could be attached or stacked. The, uh, possibilities are just endless, in that there there was no way that the primitive Indians in that part of the world at that time could have uh, worked those stones with copper chisels, stone chisels, whatever, whatever the kind of tools they had available. It was. It would have been impossible for them to have uh, accomplished what what they what they found there. And of course, the the people that live there today um, readily admit that uh, gods built this complex um, <clears throat> gods that came down from the sky. So. What are you going to believe, that gods actually came down and and, and built a a temple complex on Earth, or that aliens came down and did it? Why would gods have to come down here and build a a stone complex? Aliens, yeah, they might have had a reason to come down here and do that. They needed some place to hang out. And even the American Indians, the Hopi for one, say that star creatures came down and instructed them in things like language and how to live in the desert and taught them how to do things and be regular people. Um, same thing is true for the uh, South American Indians, the uh, Central American Indians. They all have uh, legends which say that the gods came from the stars and taught them how to do things. Now, that, that may be hard to believe for some people, but they have small statues that were carved, made by these people which show these gods and they they look like humans but they don't look like the native people and they're dressed in outfits that were certainly not part of the culture at that time. They sometimes wear helmets They sometimes have corrugated tubing coming from the helmet into a container or box or something strapped to their suit. Now, where in the hell could local natives from a thousand years ago have come up with the idea of a corrugated tube? Why would they put that on their little statue when they have never seen or heard or even thought about something like a corrugated tube? These people made these statues of something that they witnessed, something they saw in person. This is not just their imagination. This is something they saw with their own eyes, and they tried to replicate in uh, the stone or gold statues. And that's not the only place that that such things took place all up and down in the Central Americas, the uh, Mayans, the Incas. The Aztecs, they all have legends of gods coming from the sky and teaching them things like possibly astronomy, architecture, things that uh, they could not have just figured out on their own. And and why would they? The Mayans especially were such amazing astronomers. They had, they could go hundreds, hundreds of years into the future and predict to the exact day when things were going to happen. Just like the uh, December 21st alignment with the center of the Milky Way, the galactic alignment, they predicted that would happen on that day. And that was, well, at least six hundred years ago, maybe seven hundred years ago. How could they do that without some sort of instruction? Nah, couldn't happen. So, I I really feel that the uh, the ancient astronaut theorists have some evidence on their side, especially when mainstream archaeologists can't come up with an explanation, a reasonable or logical explanation of some of these things on their own. If you have no answer and you've tried all of the possible reasonable answers, if whatever left is impossible, it still might be the answer. So, We may know someday whether they were really here. Uh, I mean, I, I believe in UFOs, because I've seen some, personally. But a UFO is only an unidentified flying object. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an alien spacecraft. It just means that it's something in the sky that is unidentified but I've seen some of those UFOs and uh, I have no explanation for them and neither does anyone else at this point. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to believe? And then and, and I guess that uh, just about wraps up our time for another ses- session of sheer darkness. So uh, I'll turn it over to Dave to uh, close this out. Thanks Terry.
4: And as usual, I, I enjoy a conversation. It's always educational and I really like to you know pick your mind and, and especially you know given us not myself but the listeners as well an opportunity to you know go back and, and dig deep into your brain is has really been a treat for me. So, I'm David K. Montoya, and this is me signing out. Go ahead and finish it off,
3: Tara. Have a good night. Again, I I wish everyone peace and happiness and the best of luck out there in that miserable fucking world.
1: Unite all. Well, are you educated now? I am totally educated now. Yes? Yes. Got the whole astronaut theory down pat? Absolutely. Yes? Yeah, I'm
2: uh, thinking about going to curve some NASDAQ lines into my... uh, the ballpark across
1: the street from my house. Oh, screw that. I'm going to do it here in my apartment. Okay. Yeah. Drywall's perfect. Yeah. Well, unless you, you dig a little too deep. <laughs> well, eh, your neighbors might get a little... Uh... What if I put like three sheets of plywood on? Not plywood. <laughs> drywall. <laughs> i put three sheets of plywood. I'm not doing nothing. No. So when, why is there all this wood? <coughs> no. Three sheets of drywall and then I can really get some conga. <coughs> I'm dying here. <laughs> it's, it's the drywall dust. That'll do that to you. Uh, I shouldn't dig and carve while I'm working. <laughs> well, you'll have to excuse Rob as he slowly dies over here. <laughs> ah, are, you, good now. Are, you, are you back with us, buddy? <coughs> I think so. There we go. Ah, get that lung out of there. I wasn't using it anyway. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> our next number two Sure, sure I said the second choking of the <laughs> I'm gonna do one after every show no, that's a good that's a, that's a that's a good hook right there yeah you like that oh I don't I don't see why nobody else is did doing. you hear Rob's coughing fit today <laughs> yes I said that was the second best coughing fit second best well, it's a show of seconds I can't give it the uh, first. yeah that's true too it, what's it come on we have a theme going here nah, we got to stick with it. the theme damn themes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, number two for number two. Oh, see how we did the two of two. Oh, that's going to suck for number three. Well, how did we do number one? Ah, forget it. Too many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Number two of what we think. Uh, This one, Sadie and Dave let everyone know what they think about the importance of culture and tradition, as well as introducing three new segments to the show. There you go. Now... I guess it would be introducing new segments because they're already on their second episode. I say, wouldn't they just be giving you the format? No, no, no. See, most of the times, like I said the first episode is
2: strictly introductions. Mm-hmm. So once you get the the origin story out of the way, then you can go on to Spider-Man 2.
1: Gotcha. That's when you start building your, your so, traditions in your... Uh, your culture. If this was like a date kind of thing, the first dates get to know you. The second one's where you start feeling each other up. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, At least second base. Really? I've been cheating a lot of women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to go back to some women and say, here, feel this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Of course, their husbands might get pissed now, but... wow! yeah. Anyway. That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so why don't we get into what we think number two. Okay. All righty? When do you want to do it? Uh, now. In two seconds.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was nicely done. Oh, yeah.
4: It's Monday night. Let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya.
6: And I am Miss safe Burbank.
4: We are back with episode two.
6: Yes, we are.
4: And we've got a good story. to. Well, I don't know if we can actually say story. I don't think it is a story. How would you explain this? Because I'm still... We have a subject. We, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We because, have a subject. Which, last episode, we did really well on sticking to the subject. Yes,
6: we did, because you kept me from wandering too much. You did a good job with that.
4: I, and so did Russo. He did, you know. And I, I, speaking of Russo, I do want to thank him because I think now he's going to start listening to the podcast. I hope so. And uh, I, I want to sincerely thank him for stopping it because too. Yeah. he he actually did while he was here. He did four podcasts.
6: Yeah, you, you said he did, and 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 I think he helped us a lot. Uh, I I was kind of glad to have him here uh, for our first virginal venture. Uh, if that's proper term, um, for the for this show, sure. Yeah, I think I think he did. Uh, he contributed. He stayed with the subject. He was on point. I think he did good.
4: Well, we're going to open up with some geek news, and geek then news. and then we'll that's get right. into the main topic. Okay,
5: that's
4: the geek news is yes. is for the last three months now. I've been working on a secret project that I have not said what it was. Yes. But I am happy to say that I am very close to finishing the script to the Yeltenome animated movie that I've been working on. Yay! That is the secret script or the secret project that I've been working on. Um, I've been looking closely into Kickstarter. It looks very, it looks, it's almost scary how feasible it looks.
5: Yeah.
4: Uh, how we could actually get the project funded from, uh, it's called crowdsourcing.
5: Yes. Crowdsourced yes.
4: financing. So that looks very feasible. I found an animation studio, which I showed you, yes. that I feel that would be perfect for it. Everything's coming together. Um, so by the end of this month, I will actually be done with the first draft of the script.
6: That's terrific. That's, that's really good. And uh, after all this time, you've had this on your back burner, so to speak, for years. Yes. Almost every... Well, since before I knew you, actually. So it's. I'm sure you feel it's good about it.
4: It's almost surreal. It's. I can't believe it's finally starting you're to come. Going to, to play. You're gonna
6: have to learn how to behave without having it on your back burner now. I know. Hmm.
4: And uh, I've already looked into companies like Netflix,
5: mm-hmm.
4: Hulu, uh, Amazon Streaming, mm-hmm. um, plus already looked into, like, DVD distribution, and if we get enough in the financing department, mm-hmm. I might actually rent out a couple theaters.
6: Really? Yes. Now, would it be... Um, you did tell me it would run about 90 minutes, so you're thinking feature length?
4: Yes. Uh, at
6: selected theaters near you.
4: Realistically speaking, the, the script is probably going to be over 120 pages, which is... What it comes out to is one minute per page, so one page typed is one minute of action.
6: Wow! <clears throat> so now you knew that already, or yes. did you learn that? How'd you know that? You're so smart. Um, you're such a geek.
4: <laughs> I learned that. Believe it or not, I learned that from Russo. Oh yeah. When we worked on the Body Bag project, mm-hmm. and funny. I was I'm a writer, so. Mm-hmm. I write what I, I hear in my head, and I'm putting down this, and I'm putting down that. Right. And Russell told me, he goes, we only have, I think the original body bag script was only like 70 minutes. He goes, we only have 70 minutes. I'm like, yeah. He goes, you can't go writing 20 pages, you know, and two of those pages are full dialogue. You, you can't do that in a movie because it's one minute equals one page. So that was back in 2000. Wow.
6: So. That, that means the conflict volumes are an epic.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it literally take a couple of years just
6: mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to challenge war and peace and that department. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well.
4: So that's my geek news. And that's
6: great. That's fantastic news.
4: It's exciting and extremely terrifying at the same time yes. because this is the most expensive High-profile project that I've ever worked on, um, and it's it's nerve-wracking but exciting at the same time. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Yes, it
6: totally does. Totally does. Yes.
4: And I guess am it's I? It's like giving birth. Am I ready to drop the the budget? Oh the well, hey,
6: okay. anytime you're ready, it's not coming out of my pocket, is it? <laughs>
4: <No>. <laughs> the projected budget for this project. Mm-hmm is $415,000. Mm,
6: that's a big number.
4: So that's everything. That's from...
6: And that's the, the group money or whatever you call yeah,
4: it. Yeah, the uh, crowdsource financing. Right, right. But that's what we need is um, from the animation to the editing of the animation to the recording to the actors to the copyrights to the licensing to DVDs Everything. I like, a, you know me. I always investigate everything I do before I do it.
6: Well, it's a good idea.
4: So I, I had a kind of cross a the base. Pretty unless you
6: know where the rocks
4: are. Exactly.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: So I had a base number, and that's what this is: is a base number. Will I say that it will call? Will cost us four hundred
6: fifteen thousand
4: know, dollars? Probably cost you a hundred and fifty thousand more than that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, and that's the nice thing about the, like, Kickstarter is who we're going with. Uh-huh. You know, if we find ourselves short, we'll just put out another one. And say, hey, you know what? We're short X amount. This uh-huh. is our progress. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and we just started and trying to give. Uh-huh. I've already casted a Yelpno. His name is Ian Besore. He is a voice actor out of Oklahoma.
5: Uh-huh.
4: And when you talk to him, he's got this other accent. But when he goes into
5: character. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The
4: accent's just like gone. Ah, cool. And of course, Terry I, I had to write a scene for Terry. Of course. You know? Of course. So he's he's been casted. The Shogun.
6: Ah. Cool. Yeah, he he's got a Shogun's voice. Yeah, he's got and, that very demanding deep, very deep ponderous voice. And it's kind of
4: Fun now more so than before because I can hear Ian's voice as a yokai, I can hear Carrie's mm-hmm. voice mm-hmm. as the Shogun, and that's kind of how I came up with this really cool monologue. There's there's some dialogue between the two.
6: Yeah, oh that's cool. And, yeah, because once you know how they're going to sound, you can you can start hearing the the whole thing in your mind. Yeah, that's awesome. God, yeah.
4: And then um, let's see, Aaron Illich from Scene Red. Yeah. I've actually cast the team, and the funny thing is, is I created this this character. Well, I created it in 1997, so he was two years old when you know, where was he born in 97? I don't remember. <laughs> but, oh my god, that's scary to think about. But yeah. But I, I needed somebody that age frame for a particular character for the Hiroshima character, and I was like, where am I going to find it? And then I realized I'm like. You, you're perfect, and then he, he did a read through, and it sounds good. So he's going to do Hiroshima, which is another main character. Yeah, um, that's cool. I even do you have any
6: old ladies in the story. <laughs> I
4: I do actually. Do
6: you? Can I read for a part? <laughs>
4: um, it's uh.
6: Or do you have to speak? No, no, no. Oh.
4: Um, it's a, because I was going to say, I actually have. Uh, a role in mind for Ernie.
6: Do you really? Yes. I don't know if we can get him to do it.
4: But, <laughs> but the the older lady He's very is very
6: shy, you know.
4: Well, if we clear out the, the recording booth and let him just do his thing, nobody's watching him.
6: It's not. It's not the being watched that would bother him. It's the actually doing it. But he might. He, he listen. That man. Listen. When I first met him. Uh huh. He was so wound so tight that you wouldn't know him. Really? Oh, yeah. he's. I brought out the beast in him. <laughs> All right, the best in him, I meant to say. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and um, the bar's maid is actually an older lady. And they're sitting there, um, Ayotunom and Hiroshima, they're sitting at the, the bar. And of course, you know, they're sitting on their legs, traditional Japanese style, mm-hmm. you know, lower mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And um, the the barsmaid just walks up and she just tosses the, the little cups down and she mm-hmm. tosses the sake, you know, the ball of sake. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't remember exactly what she, she said, mm-hmm. but she was just kind of pissy. Mm-hmm. So, um. The role is yours. You don't even have to read that. Oh, it's yours.
6: really? Yeah. Oh, cool. I get to be in the uh, movie. That would be another. Reason for Ernie to do it too. If I'm in it, right? Then you know that would be that'd be really cool. Yay! Hey.
4: <clears throat> so there's like one more with the lead female. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I just no, Lacey won't do it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I can't even get into the podcast. <laughs>
6: Yeah, but that's different, don't
4: you think? No, it's the same.
6: Is it? Yeah,
4: Sit in front shy? of the mic. Is she shy? She was very shy. She's actually not oh. right. Okay, well, that's
6: all right.
4: But um, that's, as of right now, unless I create more characters in the process, mm-hmm. which is very feasible,
3: mm-hmm.
4: uh, I've only got one other person to cast. uh And then the casting is essentially finished. So you just have to come up with a
3: young...
6: Young
4: voice to right to be the female lead, <clears throat> and it's kind of tricky because I want it to match or come close to what I hear in my head.
6: Uh-huh. And, oh yeah,
4: and um, though it's it's a very soft and gentle voice, uh-huh. it's got it's very stern at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's about the best way I can explain it. So I don't know. We'll. I'll keep everybody updated.
6: That sounds so exciting, though. Very, very cool. Very cool. Uh, Wait, we're not plugged in.
4: So, that's... Well, no, that's not true. That's not everything. Um, Real fast, so I can conclude the the geek news. Mm -hmm. Um, We did come out with the second to the last uh, book you know, that I plan on publishing. We came up with the anthology, the GISG anthology. That's done really well, and pre-sales. That's Um, terrific. So even though I I did get emo there for a little bit and and kind of whined and cried because nobody liked me wanting to play, I can still (laughs) do my job pretty well as a CEO.
6: That's all that counts. When the chips are down, you know what to do and how.
4: That's good. So now there's only one book left. And that's the evolution of myth works. And uh, I'm taking my time on it.
6: I think you should, yes. I would think resting is a really important. I think you found that out Monday. Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. No, it would have been Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah, because Tuesday I had to go to the audiology thing. Um, yeah, Monday. I think you
4: found out just how important rest is. She's out like a light. I was so—I I literally, Lacey woke me up and said, "You know, you need to get up. Sadie will be here." And I—I uh, I got up and I was like, "What time is it?" And I don't even know what time she said. I think it was like maybe three or four. What time did they call you? About
6: that, I think. I don't really remember.
4: And <clears throat> I, I sat there for like a quarter of a second, thinking. Sleep podcast. Sleep podcast. Okay, sleep.
6: Definitely. <laughs> and, definitely.
4: And then uh, I did. I literally I fell right back to sleep for another six hours.
6: So that's when you know you need it, when when that happens. I have to every now and then. I, you know, have to crash on the couch and grab a few Z's and I'm good.
4: That's what's happening with Lacey right now.
6: She's out, yeah. She needs to be. She's got a lot to do in the next...
4: 24 hours, 50 hours. So. Yeah, she's got a lot to do. Awesome. So, okay,
6: so we so were talking
4: about. Um, are we
6: sticking to our menu here?
4: Um, we have a menu. Yes, yeah, um, so we we have things. an outline, but there's there's certain things that are I said.
6: Through with geek news?
4: We are done with geek okay, news. Okay, we're
6: all geeked out.
4: You know what? We need to come up with some type of like mini, um, like mini title track. You know, like geek news, geek news. You know, something (laughs) like. Oh,
6: and I was going to tell you before we started podcasting, I wanted to know if you could, and you can on your smartphone, if you could find out if the song "Traditions" is free.
4: Now, what is that? What
6: from "Fiddler on the Roof." Traditions. You haven't ever heard that song?
4: I'm trying to it's been years since I seen that. Oh well.
6: Anyway, it's it's a song called Traditions. And it would fit in here real good if you could Oh for
4: like background music?
6: Yeah. Well just to start the whole thing with
4: Because I was gonna say, it. say on background. You
6: cut
4: it in. I was gonna say background music I could actually that it doesn't
6: matter. No, not for background. No, 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 no. No, I would just want it for long enough to hear the word a couple of times in the, in the mm-hmm. music. But if it if if it is available, I think that would be really cool. Okay. But that's just me. Anyway, go ahead
7: and. And now a word from our sponsors.
4: So we were talking, now we're trying to come up with ideas to what we're going to talk about. We're going to stay on topic. right? Um, though we have our main topic, we're going to have several subtopics involved. Like, right. I, I mean, with, like with the Geek news. news, and
6: then what's next? And, email.
4: And then the email. email bag. Um, we don't
6: have any yet.
4: No, not yet. Well, we have some, but I just haven't had a chance to go through it. Oh, okay. Um, so everybody listening out there, you have us. You have our attention. If you want to ask us a question, it's what we think at jaselmon.com. We'll, we'll answer it at absolutely. this point because of absolutely. the,
6: absolutely. you will not be ignored. We will read every single email. If We have to stay up nights <laughs> to do it.
4: Well, fortunately for us, our, we're not getting we're that okay. many. Yeah, that's true too. But we're not getting that many where we're not turning I anything know. away
6: at this point. No, but, but you never know.
4: Right so you, you keep on just send us in and it may take maybe four weeks from sending it to hearing it, it live could, it but could. you will hear your question at this point in the game You'll you will your hear question. a question or a and comment and your name
6: will be given unless you ask us not to Right. you can give any name you want doesn't have to be your real name you can call yourself anything you want to
1: right? right
6: and that's what we'll call you <clears throat>
4: um and then saying goodbye, interesting enough, as soon as I came up with the idea of saying goodbye, which is, you know, yeah. uh, people that are the celebrities no that are pets, Yeah. That, that it just stopped. Everybody's decided to get a little bit. Uh-huh. Little.
6: Joyce Brothers passed. I didn't know that. Yes. Dr. Joyce Brothers passed a couple of days ago, actually. I think it was either Mother's Day or just after. Really? She was 85. I do not know of what she possibly just died of old age, as they like to say. Although at my age, when you think of somebody dying at age 85, you don't really think of them dying of old age. <laughs> That's kind of a scary thought. But in any case, um, I don't know that she had anything in particular.
4: Now, what was she famous for?
6: Well, she had a television show back in the day. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember if I watched it. I don't think I did very often, but it was one of those subject-oriented types, kind of like Dr. Phil, only from her perspective. Okay. And um, I think if I re- if I recall correctly, it was sort of like a cross between Dear Abby and Dr. Phil. Gotcha. And I don't remember now the format, whether... Um, I don't remember she had guests, I don't remember if she just spoke to the television camera and said, so-and-so writes this question or what, but something on that order. Now,
4: did she have, like, a, a article or a column published in a newspaper? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Or magazine. She no doubt or- came
6: from that. that uh, she was back in the time when there weren't that many... Ideas for television shows. You know, when TV first came out, it was really a, a difficult time for television producers and programmers, right? Because they didn't have a freaking clue what they were doing. They didn't. <laughs> they they knew they couldn't do the same thing as um, they did with radio, <coughs> i.e., having people stand in front of a microphone and read parts to a play or whatever. But it took them a while to catch on to the possibility that they could give a play, so to speak, in front of television cameras. And so until they thought of that, the first thing they did, well, they ran Howdy Doody for a long time. (laughs) Howdy Doody was actually a um, live production. They didn't have video recordings uh, for television shows for a number of years. So everything was live television. And anything can and will happen with live television. But they had the Howdy Doody show. I remember watching that as a child at not my television set, but a friend of my parents' had a television set. And uh, because my dad was her minister, we were invited over from time to time so that uh, they could visit with her and I could watch the television. And she had it locked up in this, not locked up, but closed up in in a... a hallway closet with sliding doors that slided, uh, slid, 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 <laughs> opened both right and left. And so she slid these doors back and then recessed in this closet was the television set. And it was kind of up high and it had a round screen about oh, maybe 11 or 12 inches across, you know. Right. And of course, it was in black and white. And uh, in those days, everybody thought you had to have the room darkened in order to watch television. It's not like it is today. Um, and so they would let me watch the TV program. And I thought that was ever so cool. I was uh, probably 11, 12, 13 years of age at the time. Um, and then they came out with Texaco's Hour of Stars, I think it was called. Um, and the the comedians did well because they stand-up comedy seemed to lend itself to uh television. Right. Uh viewing and um, photographing, if that's the word, telecasting. So, but it took a while. Anyhow, when Joyce Brothers program came into being, I think she may have been the only one doing that at the time. By then, I think they had developed video recordings, and so there may be some old video recordings of her show uh, around. I don't I don't remember, because I don't remember exactly when she came on the scene and what was going on at the time.
4: Well, it just so happens...
6: You happen to have found that information um, on your handy-dandy, I'm-so-smart phone. <laughs>
4: uh, this is actually her obituary.
6: Yeah, that would help.
4: And it's Los Angeles... Los Angeles. <laughs> Joyce Brothers, the popular psychiatrist who pioneered the television advance show in the 1950s and enjoyed a long and prolific career as a syndicated, syndicated columnist. Ah, see, I remember mm-hmm. was, Author and television and film personality has died. She was 85. Brothers died Monday in New York City, according to her longtime publicist, Stanford Bokshaw. The cause of death was not immediately made public. Brothers gained fame on the game show and went on to publish 15 books and made cameo appearances on popular shows, including Happy Days, The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. She visited Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show nearly 100 times.
6: Oh,
4: no shit. What did they say about a game show? <clears throat> it said. Brothers first game fame on the on a game show and went on to publish fifteen books.
6: Really, yes. I didn't. I didn't even remember that. Doesn't say about her having a show actually.
4: Just that it was, um, you know, she was a TV star essentially.
6: Yeah, but I thought she had an actual show of her own. But that doesn't seem to bear that out.
4: There's. Let's see.
6: Oh well, you know how memories are. You know, we remember what we want. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <clears throat> Let's just see what we have here.
6: Highlights. <laughs> Welcome
8: back to the show.
3: You all set your practice your psychology on me again.
9: Oh, I wish I could, but I have enough trouble just
5: practicing it on myself.
3: Well, what exactly are you afraid of? Me, the people out there, the microphone? Mm,
5: none of those things. I'm afraid of the unknown.
3: What, what are they? What's the unknown?
5: The unknown is the questions you can going ask me. Can
7: you hear me and see me, Joyce? Yes, I can. I'm ready
3: for your $16,000 question? Oh, so. Okay, may I have it, please? First, what referee holds the record for the greatest number of heavyweight championship fights? Arthur Donovan.
7: Who was the referee in the Dempsey-Tunney long count battle in Chicago?
10: Dave Barry.
7: What man, later famous in the boxing world,
3: refereed the comeback attempt of an ex-champ against Jack Johnson at Reno, Nevada?
6: Tex Rickert. You're right! <laughs> I
5: have no clue.
6: That's amazing.
4: But that was a little. That was a
6: sixty-four thousand dollar question. And that was
4: the game show that got started.
6: Which actually used to be a figure of speech after that game show gained popularity. Really? Yeah. So for a long time thereafter, people would say, "How do you get to uh, Louisiana?" Oh, that's a sixty-four thousand dollar question. And then they go. And uh, people said that at all opportunities
4: for years. And I was thinking, since we live well. Since we're recording here, I live here in Apple Valley, but since we Mm -hmm. are recording here in Apple Valley, our send-off, I think would only be appropriate, is to say to Dr. Joyce Brothers, happy trails.
6: Oh, that would be appropriate, yes. And she won't be forgotten.
4: So we're going to get to the topic. Um, And then as we're going to cover the topic, and then we'll close with one more segment and then that'll be it for this. God, I thought you were going to say a word of prayer.
6: <laughs> you don't know how many years I've heard my father say things like, "Well, we'll close with." <laughs> anyway, so one of the things that, cut that part out. If you
4: want. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things um, that we were talking about earlier uh, was trying to come up with ideas for the show, uh-huh, topics for the show, uh-huh. and one of the things that we started talking about was the the importance of culture.
6: And, well, and, and playing by the rules. We were talking about last right. week when we were t- when we were discussing... The entitlement issues. entitlement issues. Who thinks they don't have to play by the rules? Who thinks they don't have to uh, play the game the way the rest of us uh, feel compelled to?
4: Now, with drawing from that, bringing it forward, do you think that the culture that those particular individuals live in, you know, the Hollywood glam blitz, do you think that plays a big role in the way that they behave?
6: Oh, I think it's some total reason for Well, that and the fact that uh, if they were ever taught the importance of not being first in line, not being the loudest heard, not being the one in the limelight constantly, not being the one to whom all others kneel, all of those things. If they were never taught those things as human beings by their parents, then that contributes, I think, to it as well. I, 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 we did talk about whether or not their upbringing Right. Uh, you know, played it's, a role in yeah, role. it's kind of the old story, were they born that way or did they learn to be that way? Know. So do you think at this point
4: of, of our I don't want to say generation, but this point of our era, of where we're at in, in time, do you think culture still plays a big role? It's funny think-
6: you should ask that question <laughs> because I, uh, I don't remember what happened since our conversation last time somewhere at home somewhere in between then and a few days ago uh, the words the word traditions crept into my brain (laughs) I was trying to think of something cute to say about it but I couldn't it was crept into my brain and um, I was watching well, before that, before I was watching, I, I kept thinking traditions has uh, it, Without traditions, I think what came to my mind was where would we be? Right. And then, well, and then so so I wrote down this this little thing here that I'm going to read to you traditions The good, the, pl- the bad, and the just plain boring. Why do we need them? Okay. Or even do we need them? And then I went to my favorite online uh, dictionary, and I typed in tradition. And I got a plethora of uh, definitions, uh, the first of which an inherited, established, or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior as a religious practice or social custom. And then a belief or story or body of beliefs or stories relating to the past that are commonly accepted as historical, though not verifiable. Thirdly, A handing down of information, beliefs, and customs by word of mouth or by example from one generation to another without written instruction. Again, another. Cultural continuity in social attitudes, customs, and institutions. Read that one again. Cultural continuity in social attitudes, customs, and institutions. Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, characteristic manner, method, for style. Those last two, I think, more pertinently relate to what we've been discussing. Um, So traditions, good, bad, or boring, probably are important, if for no other reason than we can learn them, hear about them, right. the traditions, whatever they are pertinent to our own cultural environment or our own community, our own town, our own state, our own country, our own world, however many different traditions we hear about right and um, we can decide as individuals at least in this country we are given the freedom to decide their pertinence their relativity to us as individuals and to our say children or whoever a um, I, I, um, couple of days after this thought started in my brain, I saw a movie by Jeff Johnson, who is a self-taught author and photographer and is also a world-renowned surfer and alpinist, which is a fancy way of saying he climbs mountains. In his 2010 film, 180 Degrees South, Conquerors of the Useless, he said the following, if you love a place, you have a duty to protect it, and, to love a place, you must know it first. And I thought that was just particularly astounding, given the definitions we've just talked about. And I took it completely out of context of the movie. In in the movie, he was referring to the people of Chile, some of the people of Chile, who are having problems um, keeping it together, literally, body and soul, because... Um, some other people want to build some dams and um, cover up their land and take away their livelihood and their homes and so on. And this was the context out of which this particular quote came. But I took it from that context and applied it to my thinking um, about such things as why do we go to war as an example or even more locally and more individually, why do we have gangs what territory do we consider ours that must be protected and why what brings us to a point where we think we have to protect our territory um, as either individuals or members of certain groups and um, it, it came to me that the, the reason or the way that we come to know a place, the way we come to know our place in our world is by hearing about our traditions, our individual, those things that we are a part of. You know, when your mom says, gee, when I was a kid, we did this or that, or come on and sit down, it's Sunday, we always have dinner together on Sunday. Um, And we always have fried chicken. Or or it's summertime, we always go on picnics in the summertime. Those are little things, but they're still considered traditions. Not as elaborate as, say, Thanksgiving is a tradition for the whole country, so to speak. But... uh, but little individual traditions, things that um, that we hear over and over and over again ad nauseum from our parents, till we get to the point where we think, Okay, Ma, I get it. Every Sunday I gotta have dinner here and it's gonna be fried chicken. I got it. You don't have to tell me that one anymore. Okay? Well, um as anyone who's been a child knows, you you get a, a bombardment, as it were, of information from the old folks, primarily. Um, and it, it's uh, it's not like it used to be when I was a kid. That's how we that's how we heard about things. That's how we found out about traditions was from hearing our parents talk about things like that. They don't do that anymore. Kids don't listen to their (coughs) parents anymore. Kids... um, I don't know how kids get a sense of belonging to themselves, their families, their communities, their cultures anymore because there's there's more of a breakdown in communication I think between the generations now than ever before. It's been replaced by electronics. I was gonna
4: say because of the digital
6: Yeah. And and that's not a bad thing if the electronics come along with the tradition information. The problem is the kids can turn the electronics off in that moment, the same way they turn off their parents. So, I been I, I listed a couple of questions. One we've already talked about: How do we come to know a place? What part do traditions play in our acquisition of the knowledge of a place? And. And let's substitute the word culture for, uh, a place. In other words, our, what are we, what are we learning about? We're not learning about Apple Valley necessarily, unless you want to discuss traditions of Apple Valley. Right. What we're talking about is, um, the culture of Apple Valley or the culture of this home. What is it you're listening to? <laughs>
4: I'm I'm checking facts. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna bring this up later. Okay. I just want to make sure it's the right one.
6: Okay. Uh, and one of the th- one of the things that um, has bothered me about this particular subject is um, the, the communication. <clears throat> That's required. It's a two way street, of course. You've got a lot of people that are willing to tell the traditions, but you or, or explain the cultural background of a person, but what you don't have is a lot of listeners. Um, that's part of the problem is, is finding a way for our, to motivate our children to learn these things. Things. I, I, I think kids today don't think they need to know these things. It's, it used to be bad enough when when I, as a teenager, would tell my dad, well, why do I need to study algebra? I'm right. going to be an ice skater when I grow up. I don't need <laughs> algebra. You know, when in fact geometry would have been a good subject to study if they are going to be an ice skater. But in any case, um, I still had to listen. <clears throat> right. I was made to listen, if you will, uh, not only to my parents, but in church and in school. Um, it was required that we listen, and in order to be sure we listened, we were tested on the information we were given, um, and and we had to actually be able to properly answer the questions on the test and be graded for those answers uh, by someone who really gave a shit, whether those answers were correct or not. I'm not so sure that that's going on in school anymore.
4: I, I don't know. And you know. I, I we've we've talked about that. With, I in seriously Wittenberg. doubt yeah. that it
6: is. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, and unfortunately the, the other side of that other facet of that gem if you will um, is an understanding of one's language. Now I'm not saying that everyone has to speak English. I'm not even saying that those who speak English must speak it the same way in order for them to understand their culture. As a matter of fact, it's prohibitive that everyone speak English the same way in order for the variety of cultures we as an English-speaking society have. Right those of us for whom English is a native language have a a plethora of cultural backgrounds, some of which can be better communicated using the not-so-perfect King's English, if you will, that other people might use. But their language skills developed over years and years and years of speaking the way they do contributes to the level of information they're trying to convey. And so I'm, I'm not saying that everyone needs to speak English the same way I do, or you do, or uh, the guy across the street does. What I am saying is that whoever is doing the speaking, whomever is, is passing on the tradition to the receiver, those two... The speaker and the receiver need to be speaking English in the same, the same level. way. Yes. Otherwise...
4: Something's going to get lost. It's
6: going to get lost. I, uh, When we were talking earlier about the um, subject before we started our podcast, I asked you, had you ever played the game of gossip? They used to call it gossip. They think they also call it telephone, telegraph, and a number of other uh names, but essentially what it was, was as kids, we used to sit in a circle and one person would whisper into the ear of the person to his right, and then whatever he said, it would get whispered to the next person on that person's right, and all the way around the circle until the last person would then repeat what was said, and it was always a big joke about how it never came out right the way it was spoken in the first place.
4: So it'd be like, in the beginning... um Little Jimmy says, you know, I'm going to get ice cream after school. And then by the time he gets back to him, Little, jimmy, little Jimmy's little jimmy gone into the porn business.
6: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or uh, even more to the point, uh, <clears throat> during the Civil War, um, uh, General Grant and General Lee uh, used to get together in the bar and, and smoke cigars together while they plotted out how each of them was going to conduct their side of the war. Well, now, if if, if that was said now, people would go, where the fuck did you get that from? Right. You know, well, from somebody somewhere along the line distorting the actual information or embellishing it or passing it down or, you know, and and logic would tell us that probably didn't happen since they were opposing forces, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? So, I, I came up with why it is important to study one's native language. You know how the kids are always saying, Why do I need to take algebra? Because And they're not going Why do I have to go to English class? I already speak it. I know what I'm saying. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, here's why. <laughs> the challenges of nuance inherent in any language require that specific language comprehensions comprehension is necessary in order to grasp the significant details of cultural and or historical information being conveyed, whether it is by books, plays, movies, music, or the spoken word. Distortion happens so easily as it is without the information being passed on by someone whose language skills are not native to the origin of the information. In other words, if if I'm going to try to teach you about a tradition I'm aware of and you're not, right. we need to speak the <clears throat> same language at the same level, using the same words, which is another way of saying some of the people responsible for teaching some of the traditions in some of the schools may not be verbally qualified. What's worse is they're teaching it to 40 people who may or may not have the same language skills, background, and verbiage that they have. So a lot is going to get lost in the transition of that information. From the speaker to the listeners, and that's if they're all listening, which 99% of the time they're not. But just assume on the very best day in the world, you're listening. Right. And the teacher says, um, We're having Thanksgiving dinner Thursday because it is a tradition in our country to celebrate the fact that we managed to survive. <laughs> Several cold winters and the Indians brought us food and how, you know, all of the, all of the things that we think contribute to Thanksgiving or that we've been told contribute to Thanksgiving. So let's say the speaker's up there saying all these things and he's speaking to people that don't even have a kitchen table, let alone a turkey to eat on Thanksgiving Day. And they don't understand about the Indians because nobody's bothered to tell them about them. And or they've heard different stories about the. You see where I'm right. And and, and (coughs) the listeners, let's say students, um, they're not given an opportunity to say, "Excuse me, the, the the who did what?" I you know I thought they didn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. I heard they didn't have turkey on Thanksgiving. All of these things come into play when 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 we've got people who are trying to tell people what they're culture should be like and their traditions should be like and we've got people listening who don't want to. Right. And who are saying, I want to make up my own culture. I want to make up my own traditions. Well, you're 13. <laughs> okay? How about you learn what traditions and cultures there are first and then, if you don't like them, you don't have to participate. Okay? But you got to learn what it is you're getting rid of before you get rid of it. Because you might like it. It's possible. You'll learn to like yogurt. <laughs> you can learn to like turkey. Maybe. You know, you get my point. You get my, no, point. I'm you get you. my point. So yeah. uh and 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 I realized when I bit this thing off that there were gonna be way more questions throughout the whole thing than any kind of ever answers. Um because Somewhere along the line, we do that. We discard them. We say, oh, "Well, I know it's the third Thursday of November, but damn it, I just had turkey a month ago." And, you know, and I got nobody coming over. I don't need to put out a little paper fold-out turkey and and, and a little pilgrim hat and go, "Happy Thanksgiving, Lenny." It's not like it was 50 years ago. 50 years ago, that was a freaking national holiday. Stores closed. People went home. They had Thanksgiving dinner with their families. That doesn't happen anymore. No. You can go to Macy's on Thanksgiving Day if you want to. In fact, most people do because Black Friday comes the day after Thanksgiving. That's a tradition now is Black Friday. You know, people go shopping the day after Thanksgiving. That's how they know <laughs> when it's Thanksgiving because it's <laughs> a shopping day. It has anything to do with the Pilgrims, turkeys, and all of that other horseshit, and and that's kind of my whole point. At what point do we start saying all of these things have no importance? And what does that create in us? If if according, as as Jeff uh, Johnson said, if if you love a place and you have a duty to protect it, but to love a place you first must know it, then 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 how does how do we come to know our country? How, why are any of us going to want to defend our country, let's say, against invasion or, or go to another land and, 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 and help other people who are trying to protect our country? Right. Why are we going to do any of that if we don't have a sense of belonging to this culture, whatever, it, each person's culture is, or this country, whatever this country means to each person. Collectively, as, as as a human society, we must have some group cognizance of our culture as a group, even though your cultural sense may be different than mine, uh, because you grew up where you grew up, and I grew up where I grew up. But, but we must somehow find a way to come together.
4: Coexist.
6: And, yes, and, and more than coexist, to protect ourselves, our community, our culture, our...
4: Cohabitate.
6: <sighs> and stand together against all invaders. Right. Uh, so so if, if our children don't learn this somewhere, somehow, either from us or the teachers... Or their smarter friends or whomever, if they don't get a sense of this, then pretty soon they're going to start saying, Well, I don't care if North Korea wants to come over here and run things for a while. Why not? They seem smart. You see, right. they, they don't have a clue why that's a really bad idea. Okay? Because they don't know what uh, democracy is, and they don't know what communism is, and they don't know what, um, Uh, All of the other, you know, fascism and all of the other uh, oppressive regimes mean. They haven't any idea what it means to be under the control of someone else, a bully. Right. who, Who has no regard for them as individuals or anything else. and whose only motive is self-aggrandizement. If, if that's what they want to invite or allow to permeate this culture, this community, this country, if they don't take up arms mentally, emotionally, and physically against it because they love it, because they've learned to love it, because of their own cultural sense and their own strength of community, then how in hell are they going to protect themselves? Themselves being our children. Right, right.
4: And that all comes down from tradition and culture.
6: I think it does. I think uh, whether we like them or not, whether we appreciate them or not, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of traditions that have gone by the way of all flesh, and that's fine, all well and good. They should. Because you know some of those traditions were well, you can't, you can't drink on Sunday because it's God's day. Right. And you can't. Well, those are still around for a lot of people. Let's go further back. Let's say, uh, um, you can't ride, uh, you can't ride a horse to. Uh, Church must walk, or I don't know. I'm, you know, scratching here, trying to think of old, old, old. Don't uh, spit
4: on the sidewalk.
6: Traditions. Don't spit on the sidewalk, or doff your hat. Take off your hat to uh, a lady. Well, in the first place, how many ladies are there? Secondly, who wears hats? So, yeah, nowadays. So, uh, the fact that it was a gesture of manners kind of made it a tradition. You see, but now we get into this the subject of manners, right. okay, which now, we don't have anymore.
4: No, I, I was going to ask you a question. Was with with everything that we've been talking about,
5: mm-hmm.
4: is it does it come down to the fact that the meaning of past values, the just the past in general, nostalgia? Is that gone? I mean, is, is it just not important to anyone? Well,
6: nostalgia, you see, for nostalgia to happen, you kind of had to have been there. Okay. That's why to me it's kind of funny when people say, Oh, I just love nostalgia. You know, well, if you, if you're 13. What do you mean you love nostalgia? Okay. You weren't there.
4: It's kind of like, so,
6: it's, it's not just, I don't ever want to think that it's just because we always did it that way. Right. Lots of traditions are, okay? Lots of rules are. Just because we've done it that way in the past, we should continue. Bullshit. No, we shouldn't. And kids are smart enough to know that these days, um, I think. A lot of them. But um, there are certain things that we do have to do <clears throat> Because we've always done it that way. Like, it isn't nice to shoot people in the head with guns.
4: <laughs> I, really?
6: We pretty much always felt that way. Okay. Um, it isn't nice to drive behind someone with your high beams on, glaring into their rearview mirror, making it difficult for them to see where they're going. Because you're in a hurry and you want them to pull over so you can go around them.
4: Right.
6: Well, that's bad manners. But we don't teach our children manners, so we don't teach them respect. When you don't teach your child respect and manners, you don't teach them to listen. When they don't listen, they don't learn the traditions. So it has nothing to do with nostalgia necessarily, in my <clears throat> opinion. I think sh- this is about what we think.
4: <laughs> I yeah.
6: <laughs> you start to say, "I think."
4: Um. I'm trying to think of how I can pull this in. One of the things that when you talked about, you know, tradition and culture and how it's not... It just seemed like things aren't as important uh, today as it was yesterday. There was one particular thing that popped up and I was trying to think of how I can incorporate this in.
5: Okay.
4: I'm going to use that as the incorporating.
6: Okay.
4: Um, one of the new things—I don't know if you're picking this up now—is I'm putting in audio video tracks into the show. You know, not only are we submitting what we think, but evidence to kind of back what we think. You know, last episode we we had a couple mm, of videos. Yes, this yes, episode, yes, yes, yes,
6: yes. So
4: I submit to you and the listeners. Okay
6: another support for what we think or why?
4: Yes, and why or as to the conclusion of culture history, tradition is slowly fading
7: away. Stood, awe inspiring and unchanged for centuries not the invasion of the conquistadors nor the hundreds of years of weathering had eroded the majesty of normal a 2,300 year old Mayan pyramid in northern Belize but now the site has been irreparably damaged by a crew of road workers in search of materials for road fill, they destroyed the archaeological site, using bulldozers to demolish the site of the pyramid. Local archaeologists were dismayed at the scale of the damage. I, I was hoping that when I was driving up from the, from the main San one road, that it would not be this
1: one. But when I, the closer I got, I, I just couldn't believe on seeing all the trucks and all the stuff. But this is an incredible, incredible destruction. This is one of the worst that I have seen in my entire 25 years of archaeology
7: in Belize. A local road-building firm is under investigation over the incident. Experts say the pyramids' hand-cut limestone bricks will have provided much sought-after shale and gravel for making roads in the Central American country. But even though it was on private land, ancient Mayan ceremonial sites like Normul are protected under Belizean law. Now this once in-
4: Wow. So
6: yeah that's that's kind of a good example. The, the traditions that, that I'm speaking of are similar in in concept at least to 20, some, a
4: 23 year old, 2300 year old.
6: yeah, you know. yeah. and and <clears throat> I don't mean to say that all the traditions should be kept. I'm not saying I'm not by any stretch am I saying that. But I'm saying there there is is value in at least studying them, at least learning about them, at least finding out what it is you're digging up before you dig it up.
4: Pharrells.
6: Yeah, and um, uh, and I think the motive for me, the motive, should be uh, self preservation. Yes. You know, it, it isn't important to me that you respect my tradition. Because it's mine. That's not where I'm coming from. I'm not asking that everybody do the way I did. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that my kids know what our family's traditions were. Right. My kids don't do many of the things that my family did. But they know. Then they they can pick and choose. It's like when you take your kids to church when they're young it's not necessarily because you want them to be good little christians but you want them to have some background in religion so they can make a choice for themselves when they're at the age of choosing do they want religion in their lives right you know well you can't do that with language and and other skills they have to learn those in school and they have to learn right there's no Cause option because they're not to of an age yet to decide they get out of school out of several schools, colleges even, then they can decide because they're informed, hopefully by people who have the skill to inform them in such a way that they'll actually learn the information. That's all I'm asking.
4: Well, speaking of informed, Yeah. that's it for this week.
6: <laughs> We're done? We are. I tended to go on, didn't I? Sorry about that.
4: No, it's quite All right. Mm. So, for this week, I am David K. Montoya.
6: And I'm Sadie Burbank.
4: And you heard what we think, so now you know. Good night, folks.
6: Did you get it? <laughs>
1: uh, I got it. All of it? No. no. No? Yeah, I missed a bit, too. When I, got, yeah, well. I had a two-minute nap. Uh, <laughs> well. Okay, it was longer, but unfortunately, I can only go two. Well, you don't want to uh, bust up the theme of the uh, exactly. day. Oh, I said keep everything nice and thematic. Exactly. Now. Okay. What have we got next on our uh, two parade? I was trying to have a coffee vid, but it didn't work. Two. Two. We have somebody in our history. We do? Shared history. Of course. Two. Two. Remember from the way back in the wind when you were a DJ? Oh, two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird because his name was Rob, but I only ever knew him as two. Wow. And that was before I met him. I thought people called him, too, because I was Rob and he was Rob and they might as well call him something different. That's right. Too, You know, putzfuck didn't sound very nice. Uh, well, he don't want to. Oh, way. wait. Are we allowed to do explicit? Now's a bad time to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you want to get back to us on that? Uh, yeah, just beep it and then shoot me an email. <laughs> Nicely calm. Good, email. Dave. <laughs> Okay, so our second, third Our second... Ah, screw it. Number three. (laughs) (laughs) That was much harder than it should have been. (laughs) Overthinking that one. Uh Our third number two is the movie Madhouse. What? I know. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah. I hear these guys rock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Especially the first four episodes. Oh yeah, they were they they rocked all right. Yes. And fifth one, you know, they changed up things and threw somebody else in there and it's been downhill ever since. Is it five? Really? I'm pretty sure it was five. Let me just double check. Oh, number five. Introducing the other guy. God damn it. Yes. Day that will live in infamy. Oh, this was the uh the uh, the cast interview, was yes. it not? This one here, it says, we sit down with a cast of A Heart's Journey, Nicole Taylor, Deborah Van Galen, and Cora Chaney. Also joining us is director, Christina Garant, and costume and makeup designer, Corinne Wood. We talk about their careers up to now and how they find production. We also have a talk about our favorite movie villains. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, overly dramatic. I've but... been working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's, it's only sad because that movie fell through. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I said shit happens. Hey, you know what though? It fits into the. Oh, Dave! He swore. <laughs> Quit being a little rat. I'm not a rat. Dave, he did it. <laughs> Do it you know really fits into the theme though? We're gonna redo it, so this will be the second attempt. Well played. Dude, you like that? Well played. All righty. Well, let's listen to the movie Madhouse number two. Have fun.
11: And welcome to the movie Madhouse. This is our second episode. I'm Rob, and this is... Quit banging on the table! (laughs) Okay. I'm trying. Again, I'm Rob, and this is... Mike. (laughs) At the Movie Madhouse. This is our second episode, and today we are on the set of A Heart's Journey. It's actually filming while we're recording this podcast. So we're lucky enough to talk to some of the people that are involved in it. Who do we got? Well, funny you should ask, Mike. First person we have is Nicole Taylor. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> she is actually uh, playing the principal character of Jessica in A Heart's Journey. And uh, is this your first actual acting role?
8: Uh, not really. No? No. If you consider the other movie that I was in.
11: <laughs> that would be previous experience.
8: Yes, it would. <laughs>
11: To make it a lot
2: easier, you need to talk into the microphone so the nice people can hear you.
8: Yes. Hello!
11: (laughs) Yes. Remember, there's no pictures, it's all sound. Why don't
12: you tell the people what you did in the last
2: movie? Much less a visual medium. Don't bang on
11: my table. Um, Well,
9: apologies to everyone listening.
11: (laughs) Just so everyone's up to date, that speaking was Deborah Van Galen, who plays Chrissy in the movie.
7: Probably just lost forty percent of our audience,
11: <laughs> and that was—that <laughs> that was Corey Cheney, who plays Troy in the movie. And uh, now these characters: Jessica's the main character, Chrissy is her best friend, and Troy is Jessica's brother. And you're the dad. And I am the dad. Yes.
10: Because you're nice and old. I'm nice old.
11: and old. <laughs> 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 who is
2: that? Just talking. There That's
10: the account. awesome director
11: no oh. <laughs> that is the director and producer oh we don't go crazy with adjectives here <laughs> is she gonna get another
2: co-host uh credit or is this just gonna be a an ongoing thing i think she's
11: gonna be in every episode oh just, okay it's like there a I fungus oh, yeah. it won't go away well we're gonna have to wake you up <laughs> to shoot record it
10: that's all right i know where he lives
11: <laughs> but yes <laughs> we are on the set while they're filming actually right now Corrine wood here who's uh Costume designer... No, not costume designer. Yeah. Make- oh, costume, costume designer design and, and makeup. makeup. designer. Yep. She is uh, working on Deborah right now, and getting producer. ready for the scene coming up. <laughs>
10: yeah, and producer. And producer. And she's playing a small role of Leah, who That's is right. a friend of Jessica. That's right. Get my so she again. will be seen er, seen a lot in this hey. film.
11: People in here wear many hats.
10: <laughs>
8: <laughs>
11: oh, yes. Many hats. So again, back to our original person, Nicole. You uh, you, you had previous experience before this?
8: Yes, I was, uh, in the, uh, other movie called, uh, Threat Betrayals. Betrayal. That one. <laughs> that one? <laughs> that's right. And I was a vampire minion.
11: Oh, that's right. The flippy lady. Yes, I yes. was the one
8: doing the flips, because <laughs> I'm boss. I'm secretly a ninja. What, what? Not anymore. Now you're a dancer. Now no. I'm a dancer. Now yes. it's not secret. Oh,
10: yeah, and it's not a secret, because you told everyone. <laughs> <Erase>. <laughs> is what I Erase. <laughs> he doesn't erase. No
11: editing. Uh. Uh. <laughs> this is one take.
9: Okay, so Corey, my question is, is this family friendly? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
11: all depends on
2: Nah, you can go ahead, you can cuss if you want.
9: (laughs) Disclaimers, there might be some cussing.
2: Well, I'll I'll just just put the explicit tag on, and that way all our bases are covered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
10: (laughs) We've heard about Nicole's previous experience. What's your previous experience?
7: Well, the same as everybody (laughs) 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 else's.
9: It's not the same as mine.
10: But haven't you done other movies? You had an audition for a Ryan Gosling movie, that's pretty exciting.
12: (laughs)
8: Yeah, but... Did you yeah. get to meet
12: Ryan
8: Gosling when you... No, it was, it was an online
7: thing. Uh, you went online, you did an audition that you had to record at home, and then you posted it up for the casting director to see. Yeah.
10: Okay, Deborah, what's
9: your experience? <laughs> oh, I think I have not a lot of experience, but a little bit. I
7: you went probably to... have more than everybody else here.
9: Yeah, that's that's probably true. I went to school for this at Niagara College, and I graduated last year. And since then, um, I've participated in Dark Betrayals as well as one of the vampire minions. And I got my ass kicked by both main girl and you. Now we're going to date.
10: By you, she means Corey, because you can't see where she looked. (laughs) Or pointed for that.
0: Again, not a visual medium.
9: (laughs) used to it and uh and then i just had an audition for another movie as a lead that's filming in london in august and that was a really good experience tell them
10: what role you'll be playing if you get it
9: (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit complicated but if i get it the lead role is um character ashley (laughs) and through you know unwanted events ended up in drugs and prostitution and owing a huge debt to a crime boss and she gets busted for trafficking, goes to jail and so the story picks up her after trying to pick up her life and just continue on but unfortunately her past catches up with her and because of this huge debt that she owes um she ends up getting forced back into all that so it's just her trying to get out and move on with her life and you know move past all the terrible things that happened and yeah, so that is in production. Whether I get the role or not, I'm very excited to see go into production and see what they come up with. Then.
11: That does sound good. Okay.
9: That that one as it's called "Daughter of the King" you know, for anyone in case you want to look that nice up. Nice plug.
11: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You better get the role now. <laughs> Cheap plug. I'm already me. doing
9: publicity for it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> August, maybe in the September. We'll see.
2: So, today is quite possibly the hottest day of the year so far, and our director had us standing out in a cemetery for a couple hours while we baked, so...
10: But, I would like to say that Robert Bellamy is the one who made the schedule, so he's the
9: one to blame for the... And I'm already sunburnt. I just noticed.
10: Yeah. And Rob's head's peeling.
11: (laughs) As an aside. (laughs) yes, Because this is not a visual medium. (laughs) Now... So,
2: all in all, how would everybody say that the production's progressing? Are you happy with the
11: progress?
9: Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I'm never working with these people again.
11: And that was Corey, the former person playing Troy. <laughs>
9: <laughs> now, as McGanget, I think we kind of started a bit of a rough start. We had a few snags at the beginning of production, but it's starting to move along, and now... Or what? One week away from the finish of principal photography, mm-hmm. and then we'll nope. be coming no. back in September again
11: to. Yeah, there's two more weeks.
8: Two yeah. more weeks.
11: Yeah. Two
9: more, two
10: more weeks. weeks, and then we take a break until September. Oh, right, two okay. weeks. Yeah,
9: yeah. I don't know why. I'm well, there's only a week left.
10: because there's only a week left of June, but we have the first yeah, weekend of July. Of
11: it. Yep.
8: It's gonna be hard not seeing you guys. Mm-hmm. My family. I think that's the
11: interesting piece about making a movie. You get kind of. You guys,
8: you're practically a family. Like.
11: Well, we practically are. I play your father. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You're grounded, young lady.
7: You're my annoying sister. (laughs) (laughs)
8: And you're my annoying bigger brother. And later
10: today, we get to film a scene where Nicole gets to destroy something of Corey's. Yeah. Yeah. She's looking forward to it. Mike, on the other hand, is a little anxious about it because he's the script supervisor and continuity is not going to be fun for him on this one. How about
12: that Monopoly game?
11: That's what 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 I'm talking about,
10: but I wasn't Um, trying not to give things away.
11: Oh, well, do it there. Spoiler alert. Spoiler (laughs) alert.
12: (laughs) Well, you said of Corey, so I didn't realize that was his.
8: Um...
11: And that moment was brought to you by Nicole Taylor. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say.
9: You always forget what you're going to say. I know. She has a lot of those, um, uh,
8: moments.
11: <laughs> well, hey,
8: you guys love me for
11: it. L- let's pull away from this production for a second because this this podcast is actually about movies in general. Now, uh, yesterday, went to see Monsters U. Mm. Oh. What? Monsters U. Monsters Universe. Oh, Yes. Okay. The sequel slash prequel to Monsters Inc. I heard it was good. And it is very good. Um, speaking as a whole movie, I kind of like the first one better. But this one has a lot of good parts in it. And uh, it's definitely worth a watch.
7: I see Man of Steel. How, it, it was really good. Yes.
11: Yeah.
9: And didn't you go see uh, a couple uh, movies lately, Dubois? <laughs> a lot, actually. The most recent one I saw was Epic. And it was oh, see epic, that. you know.
11: <laughs> 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 but what it was be. really good. Aply named. No, the
9: thing that was getting me through the whole movie, because I I really pride myself on being able to catch people's voices and faces and knowing where I know them yeah. from, and I, most of the actors, I was able to guess um, Colin Farrell, but the other ones, I had no idea who it was. I had to go look it up, and I'm like, I never would have guessed that. It turns out it was uh, Josh Hutch- Hutcherson. I can never pronounce that Atkinson? right. Hutchinson. Hutchinson? Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Here, have a nib. nip. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Training mean, is uh, working. <laughs> Seifried? 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 I think Seyfried? it's Seifried. Yeah. Seifried. <laughs> Anyways, so... No those are read. the other oh, Did get a
11: nip. <laughs> okay, what other movies did we see this summer that uh, we've liked so far?
8: Um... Fast Six is good. Oh, oh my don't goodness. Tell me, I want to see
9: it so bad. It is so good.
10: I thought you went to see I that can. last weekend or you
9: Well, of course we know with a lot of movies that are in series at the end they'll show like a sneak peek to the next movie. And they show it and Jason Fast Statham days. is going to be in it. And I love Jason Statham. But I never thought in my life I would get to the point where I would want to kill Jason
7: Statham. He's the I'm not going to tell
9: you thing. what he does. You have to go watch yeah. the movie yourself.
11: Uh-huh. Okay.
7: okay. <laughs> I love you. don't understand half the things he says.
11: So I Jason Statham is joining the he's Fast Six so family. Fast.
8: Yeah. And, yeah. Now,
11: and
7: now he's Netflix really ticked seven. off
10: Deborah.
11: <laughs> <laughs> and I do you know, they're making Expendables 3. Yep. yep.
7: Did you know they're making another Terminator film? Really? Actually, that I hadn't Airbnb heard of. It's going be with Arnold Schwarzenegger and The Rock, or so it's rumored. Hmm. Wow. I have my well, first celebrity that's set sighting in, the in Toronto. 1940s/1950s. Figure that out. I think it's going to be a prequel from what I read.
11: Well, yeah. not necessarily with time travel. <laughs>
9: yeah. Did you hear what Deborah said?
11: Yes, she had a first celebrity sighting. Who did you see
9: in yeah. Toronto? Um, for those of you, I'm big on trying to watch Canadian television and film, and The Listener is a wonderful show at Films in Toronto, all Canadian cast and crew, and I'm walking down Bathurst Street, um, we're going to a sort of class reunion, and all of a sudden I hear the voice of Rainbow Son Franks, and I look over, and he's there, and he plays Dev on The Listener, the computer technician, he's awesome, It's a wonderful character. So that was my celebrity moment, of course he's on the phone, so I'm not going to bother him, so I just waved, but... That was awesome.
11: Rainbow Sun France. I actually think I know him from another show. Mm-hmm. Stargate Atlantis.
9: I don't remember. I never watched that yeah. show. Well, I don't I have, have cable. To... I get Ariel, so I have like four channels. Okay. Well, There's a lot I of also watch sites uh, you can stream TV shows. I know. You I'm did? getting into yes. that now because it's just, that's what I'm doing with the listener because I'm always working or missing it, so I go on ctv.ca and they stream Tolkien it. Coke and Popcorn awesome. is a good one. It's a,
11: We're it's, just plugging everything today. It's, um, plug for... It's not... CCTV. It's called the popcorn. No
10: EU or something like that. It's a European website.
12: And I can get you a link for another one that shows a lot of movies and a lot of new movies. Yeah. So we'll,
5: Here we are I still new try new to buy them whenever I can. I do buy them too.
12: Yeah.
10: <laughs> <laughs> no, but for TV shows it's not illegal.
11: Well... Actually, it is if it's in if it's on DVD.
10: But if it's current on TV, it's sure, not. Right. Anyway, and that's what Deborah wants is current TV here shows. Here
11: is the top five movies so far. Monsters University comes in with first with thirty million already on the weekend, and it's only two days.
10: Jessica's yeah. Journey's going to do well, that. Listen, no problem. There's there
2: two big <laughs> the re- re- two big releases this weekend. Yeah, maybe Monsters U and
11: World War Z. Yeah. <laughs> Always call it Jessica's Journey.
10: And, and World, War
11: World War Z came in two. Two. I want see that <laughs> World War Z, yeah. Z came in second And it's got 25 million That's in two nice. days That's pretty good I, I, I don't, don't think it. it's going to make What it
2: It's budget was <laughs> no. What's the budget for that it, one? It, it was almost 200 million <laughs> oh, oh, oh,
5: oh,
12: wow <laughs> Well with all the special effects Yeah yeah. That's
2: what costs you yeah. uh, Hopefully someday we have
7: like, a it budget like that World War like Z Or World War Z Zed You're in World,
5: Canada Well it's an
7: American
9: film So it's World War Z Canadians pronounce Z Zed Right so that's where
11: that comes in. Coming so. in third is Man of Steel. This weekend it made 12700000 so far. Oh so God, what's this
12: And you know what? Do they have the total? Man of Steel? I am not a Superman fan. I do not like Superman. I want to see that Same. movie. Same. You know what? Yeah. I want to Same. see it. Zack Snyder's the director.
11: Absolutely. And I loved him. Oh my God. I don't know. Amazing. Amazing. I just think
9: this one it just It's. It, I have this feeling it's got something that none of the other yeah. ones have. It's because just Zack Snyder
8: for...
5: director.
8: <laughs> 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 that too, and but. Superman is not wearing his underwear outside. of The his best. I, that's what yeah. I was just gonna say. <laughs> Super, th- this movie.
9: If you want to know what Superman it's about, it's about Superman learning to wear his underwear properly. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Proper underwear.
10: And
11: she didn't even say spoiler <laughs> alert. a lot of Christopher In total, that movie has made 181 million already. Still getting beat by uh, Iron Man. Iron I can make that weekend. in a day. I just don't
9: want to.
11: I thought they closed down that. Keep you humble, right? Oh (laughs) and fourth is this is the end. <laughs> this that weekend,
9: I mean, can see, but I'm already plotting to kill tonight,
11: So <laughs> this we weekend, this. so far four million, and today, it looks like forty eight million, almost forty nine million. For this is the end. Yep. Oh, they're What's this poor this Seth, Seth Rogen. This is okay, the End the one uh,
8: with, um,
11: everybody playing every- themselves.
8: Seth Rogen. It's a big yeah, party. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Well, he's like, uh, Hermione just took my drink.
2: Okay the par the, the parody whatever, of that Michael Sarah plays himself is,
8: himself of person, they play it is up fantastic. Yeah.
2: He plays uh, um, a coked James out Mike Frankel's
10: Sarah. Oh, well then I gotta see it. Of course. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. It. It's
11: fantastic. <laughs> I know. I know. Mike's seen it. I saw.
10: Does James Franco look hot in it? Of course. Oh,
11: he was dreamy.
2: He was dreamy.
9: Oh, I heard that, uh, I heard. Channing Tatum makes a cameo.
2: Oh, yeah, he really. makes a cameo like you would not believe. Oh, really? Oh, I'm not gonna <laughs> Don't say it. Was. Say no, no. no I,
9: my guess is gonna be it has to do something with stripping because he used to be an exotic dancer. That's yeah, my guess. Um. So we'll see. Don't I'm even okay. get rid I'm
2: no, of no, me magic mic for him. I'll I'll just say, when he made his appearance, I went. Janet Tatum and just about everybody else in the theater said the exact same thing I did at the same time. So <laughs> it was just kind of like, whoa, that's okay, that's different. So. <laughs>
11: Okay, number five is now you see me this oh, weekend. I movie. See
9: that too.
10: What's that one about?
11: This weekend it made.
10: Oh, that's
11: the the four magicians. This gotcha. weekend it made almost two point five million, and so far total it looks like eighty nine million. Wow, oh, it's made money.
8: Yeah, um, it literally has you on your toes the entire time. You are literally on. Is that a ride. the one with the girl that you think is hot? I can't
11: that's remember. pretty much every movie in existence. <laughs> He's <laughs> there's, there's one in every movie. Uh, who is that? That has got. Uh, so then here's the
9: question.
10: Jesse Eisenberg. Movie. Who's the hot girl in? Oh movie? wow.
11: It's got Jesse Eisenberg. It has. <laughs> the
12: Woody,
11: Woody deathly Harrelson Deathly sidestep my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Uh, Isla Fisher.
5: Morgan, Isla, Fisher. Fisher
11: Isla Fisher. Sorry. Borat's wife. Borat. Yeah. No. Morgan, we
9: still need to answer the question. <sighs>
11: who's, uh, the, you know,
10: who's the hot girl in uh Hearts Journey?
11: Do <laughs> you know it's really weird? Fast and Furious <laughs> Six it is in at sixth right now. This weekend, one point four million to date has made two hundred twenty-five really million, million yeah, dollars. So
9: fast and Furious. Locker. Mm-mm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that really impressed me is you would think coming on to the sixth film and knowing that there's a seventh, you know, most series, it just, it gets it's to that point movie. where you're like, why, what? why are you doing it? And But they keep the storyline going. It makes sense. It's not way left field like some movies.
11: It's not and a movie for sake of a movie.
9: Yeah. like it, it
11: is a movie for entertainment. And
9: they have it. And even the seventh one, it has to do yes. with previous movies. And it's got a plot. And it's not just something that they're throwing out left field just so that they can have cars, you know, chasing and stuff. And the stunts and, and the car chases were really great in this movie.
12: Mm-hmm. I really mm. want to see it because Fast and the Furious... Aside from Tokyo Drift, I didn't really wasn't really fond of that. That's my favorite. Really, I like that it. One sucks. It really has everything I love. Well, not action. Favorite, number one. But. Fast cars, hot guys, explosions. It's like <laughs> Luke Gore's Evans sitting over
10: here rolling his eyes for you, that home that can't see. Him.
9: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've always been a fan of Luke Evans, and he's really good. He's played some really awesome roles, but just seeing him as the bad guy, he did such a good job. It was just fantastic, and I'm.
2: Okay, oh. speaking of bad guys, I put this question on the movie Madhouse Facebook page the other day. I don't know if everybody saw it. Top five villains in movies. Who are your top five villains? Deborah, first. Oh, and
9: I'm going to have to five. think about that. Um, yeah. That's a
11: good
5: question.
11: Well, I, who's your
9: favorite
10: villain?
11: I'm going to jump in first, then, then. I think my favorite villain is Magneto from the X-Men.
12: Oh,
5: yes. Oh, I love
8: yeah. Magneto.
11: Are we and talking... He mm-hmm. is only... Ian, the, Ian McKellen or... Ian McKellen.
9: Ian McKellen. Michael Fass, You know, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender did a very good job. He did a great
11: job. That's why I said Magneto and not necessarily an actor.
5: Mm-hmm.
11: Because the bad guy himself, Magneto, is the best one because of the fact he believes with 100% of his heart, he is right and he is protecting people. And that, to me, makes in. people far more dangerous than, you know, trying to take over the world or... Set off the T virus or what have you. <laughs> so okay, that's one. Even me being a what's that? Oh, you want to go? Want to go too around? Too
10: <laughs> the Joker is which a one. one? Which one? Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Ledger. Yeah,
11: he was a good
8: Joker. I just like um, Jim Carrey. I'm blanking. As, uh, as the Redler. Recent movie, but it was it was, was to the it? point of being funny. But you're like stupid. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't know how to take you at all, and you wear green a lot. So,
9: well, I can say one <laughs> of them, spandex. not a movie villain,
8: like a big But um, saying <laughs>
9: with question marks, so you
8: never know what's going on there.
9: <laughs> one that pops into my head, yes, which I loved is if you've ever seen the British series Sherlock, the guy who plays Jim Moriarty, he is fantastic. Really, You've You've never, never seen, seen the British was Just insane, and it's it's so Can wonderful. You? Mm-hmm? Seen the British one? Mm-mm. It's terrible. Does anyone know why are British TV series always so short? Sherlock has three episodes a season. If anyone knows why British series are like that, please let us know. Post it
11: on the
2: Movie Madhouse Facebook page. <laughs> well, a lot of the series are like that because they're they're self-contained stories, whereas North American miniseries or sub or sitcom <laughs> series, they like to string it out because it's a commercial success. The British like to encapsulate it as like a three-parter or, or, or a six-parter, and that's the story. Moving on.
9: Okay, going on to another villain. All right, another villain. Oh. Speaking Speaking of Sherlock. <laughs> Speaking of Sherlock, Benedict Cumberbatch, Star Trek Into Darkness as John Harrison. Oh my who,
12: gosh! yes. Yeah
9: fantastic i was because uh, I, I i've watched sherlock and i've seen that character and you know but watching star trek it went further beyond what i expected and he was so good and even for you know the older star trek fans going back to the original series the original con the movie you know you can't even beat that either like both those characters but the character of oh. con Ooh, because he's so Martin. so ruthless and so yeah
12: but hands down That's, the new con way
2: cooler yeah oh you're killing me oh, over no. here <laughs>
9: this martial arts skill is phenomenal all right.
2: that's, yeah. super that's, probably, yeah. that's probably
9: coming to mind and for all of you that know ever since that question i've been sitting here for the last 10 minutes trying to think of that and i couldn't remember <laughs> and i
11: blank. so okay but, yeah we haven't heard from Corey yet who's your favorite villain oh,
7: God. there's too many
9: your mom
11: <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh. don't need
9: to that in case <laughs> his mom is very sweet she's the sweetest lady ever <laughs> and, and now she's gonna hate deborah
10: <laughs> deborah's not or welcome over not at the cheney house anymore <laughs>
11: You know what, Mike, what's your favorite villain? We're going to keep away from these two for a second. All right.
2: uh, I have to say uh, Michael Madsen's character in Reservoir Dogs. Oh. He brought a level of crazy that hasn't been on a
11: movie screen in a long time. That poor policeman. That poor policeman. Have you seen Reservoir Dogs?
7: I just downloaded it. I haven't watched it yet.
11: Oh, my. Seven people in this room and only two have seen it. <laughs> and you I'm call yourselves die, movie makers. Quentin Tarantino classic, right there. Yep. There's going to have to have a, uh, a
2: viewing party someplace. I'm thinking, absolutely.
10: Your sister's place would be good for a viewing party. Look at how
9: many seats we have down here. Absolutely. Gotta
2: let they sectionals,
9: so you can put so many people on them.
2: 27 inch TV over here. I yeah. My
9: father in law, if we can use his private
11: theater. Hey, there we oh, go. There. Your right. father in
9: law has a private theater, and you're just mentioning this now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's and a reason
11: for that, Deborah. There
9: might not be any more filming today, because Grin might be going down. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Cancel film and we're just going to go watch movies. <laughs> it's
12: actually set up like an actual movie theater with, you know, the curtains beside the...
11: Uh, why, are the, the why are we here? Why aren't we over there?
12: <laughs> seating, he bought, like, old theater seats from, like, Okay, Marshall I gotta jump
11: something. in the Deborah bandwagon. Why are we just hearing about <laughs> this now?
12: I knew about it. Yeah.
11: Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Just hold it exactly. on you, Rob. You know what? No, no. <laughs> Mike, please take us out. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. Let's end the show. Okay.
2: All right. Uh,
8: I didn't say my oh,
2: oh, okay. Nicole, who is your favorite villain?
8: Darth Vader.
11: <laughs> this girl's
2: awesome. Silence. There you go. <laughs> oh, no, no. My favorite is Hannibal from Silence of the
12: Lambs. Yeah, Hannibal's cool. Yep.
10: Okay.
2: All right. As we start to wrap it up. Uh, does anybody have a Facebook or a website or anything they'd like to plug?
10: Well, again, our company website for JX3 (laughs) is www.jx3mediaproductions.com. Check it daily, please.
12: We also have a Twitter and a Facebook page, and we have a Facebook page for our movies as well, for A Heart's Journey and Wilderness Adventures.
9: And I have a Facebook page under my name, but I'm not exactly sure what the link is. (laughs) You you just type in... Just search Deborah Van Galen, Nicole
10: Taylor, and Corey Chaney, and you will
9: find all their acting pages.
11: Okay, Deborah Van Galen, D-E-B-R-A-V-A-N-G-A-A-L-E-N.
9: There's a space in between the Van and the Galen.
11: Yes. Just think
10: Van Halen, but with a G. You can find Corey on both IMDb and Facebook.
11: And Nicole, you can can find her pretty much at any bar.
10: Did you make up a uh,
9: profile already? Well, my profile's still on there, but you know, I don't have access to it. Don't listen to
2: (laughs) him. All right, um, thank you everybody for taking your time out of your busy schedule for uh, recording this. Well,
12: you're paying us for
9: this, right?
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. In nibs. For the
11: podcast.
2: Fifty two dollars. Fifty two dollars. Fifty
11: (laughs) two (laughs) nibs each.
2: So, um, in closing, I'd like to say that, um, so the movie Madhouse, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can now find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, if you, uh, oh, what, what am I missing? Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, um, we'll be releasing on a weekly schedule now, um,
12: I can put your iPod,
11: yeah. your iPod, I can put your podcast up on the website. Wow. There we go. There we go. All yeah, right. You can find it, it on jx3media.com. No, we can do that too.
12: Media Productions.
10: Media Productions.
2: Right. right. All right. So, uh, I, in closing, I'd like to say thank you again for uh, joining us here at the Movie Map. Wow.
1: Okay. Technically, we have gotten much better. You think? Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to think so. And, uh, we uh, Well, I said. Once we learned how to uh, connect a microphone to the laptop. That was a huge leap in technology there. <laughs> it did sound like Corey was in like another house. Yeah. You can come sit with us, Corey. You don't have to be over there in the next house. No, But yeah, there's, there's a
2: little quick walk down memory. Actually, said looking at that.
1: Wow. That was recorded June 19th. So we're 25th. 25th? Yep. Our first episode was June 19th. Oof. But this is seconds, so two, June 25th. Okay. So it starts with a two. Yes. There's twos everywhere.
2: Yeah, but why does it say June 19th?
1: Because Dave's a doo-doo head. <laughs> it says movie madhouse number one, June 19th. Movie madhouse number two, June 19th. Oh, well, we got July 3rd on the 3rd, so All right. that's... A, okay. Yeah, no, no. Anyways, we better... Uh, it's not it, bad to pick out our bosses, you know. Well, I said, <laughs> maybe he'll get us to stop doing <laughs> these. <laughs> <laughs> There's our plan. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed these episodes. And uh, Yeah, like I said, it was a fun little walk down memory lane again. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, sign us off for the chief. All right, we'll see you next Friday. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye.